Can you all hear me? Good. Well, good morning, everybody. For those who don't know me, I am Darren, and it's great to see you all this morning. It's been a few weeks since I've been back in Hatfield, and uh, wow, the heavens have opened up for my return, haven't they, this morning? <laughs> the A1 was awful coming down here. Um, but it's really great to see you all. Um, you know, the weather today is not great, but it's been pretty mild October, isn't it? Some sunny days, which is great for the, you know, the heating bills and all that kind of stuff. But um, one of the things that gets me really excited about a sunny day when I'm at home is what do you think? Not going out and having fun or topping up my town or anything. It is actually doing laundry. I know, I know. Am I the only one who's, who's a sado like that? So my first thought is like, great. Sunshine, bit of, bit of gentle breeze. I can hang my washing up, especially the bedding, you know, the sheets. That's the best bit. Get them nice and dry. That evening, you've got a nice, clean, fresh bedding to kind of snuggle up in. I love that. That's always my first thought on a sunny day when I'm at home. I know. So there you go. So washing powder, detergents, whatever. I'm, I'm right there. But while I was hanging up my washing the other day on one of these sunny mornings, I work from home so I can do that. I can kind of, you know, take a little break, put my washing up. I was thinking about the passage that we're looking at today. So we are continuing a series on John's letters. And while I was hanging up my washing in the sunshine, I felt prompted, I felt the Lord saying, as part of your prep, I want you to read this passage out loud. The three letters, I mean, they're quite short. So I thought, okay, I know from experience that when God prompts you to do something, you should do it. You may not always understand why at the time. So I've got this little spot in, my, in one of my bedrooms where I, I, it's my prayer spot. It's where I read scripture. It's where I pray. It's where, my, where I have my quiet times with the Lord. And I read 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John out loud, as I felt I was being prompted to. And I'll admit, those letters aren't something that I've read often. They're kind of a little bit, I've read them before, but I don't really pay them much attention. So it's good that we're doing this at the moment, going through this. After about, within the first 30 seconds of reading it, I was actually trembling with the power of what I was reading. I just couldn't believe it. I was overwhelmed with the depth and the power of these letters. So it took me about 25 minutes to read them out loud. So within less than half an hour, you can actually read 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John half an hour to read, but more than a lifetime to understand. So profound, so incredibly rich and detailed. So, as I say, this is week four of the series. So, Duncan from Trinity started week one, where he set the tone, he set the scene of what John's letters are. So, John being the last person, really, who had an accurate eyewitness account of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So like a journalist who was right at the heart of the action, we're getting his account of what happened. And of course, John has written five books in the New Testament. So we have the Gospel of John, we have the three letters, and we have the last book of the Bible, Revelation, which kind of makes sense if he's the last person who had the eyewitness account of the life of Jesus. Emma talked about walking in the light. And in God, there is no darkness at all no darkness at all 
Psalm 139 tells us that even the darkness is like light to God. But there is no darkness in God. And Anil followed that up with abiding in God and forgiveness. And overarching themes that we're looking at collectively in this series are three sort of main themes. True doctrine, obedient living, and fervent devotion. But in the context of what we're looking at today, true doctrine is about Jesus. He's our salvation, as we've been singing about. Thank you, Claire. Amazing songs this morning. Obedient living, as we're going to be looking at, which is obeying the commands that the Lord gives us. And fervent devotion, which is all about love. You know, John, the author of these letters, writes a lot about love. I think if he was on Mastermind, that, was, that would be his specialised subject, love, you know. John wrote probably the most famous verse in the whole of the Bible, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And in, this, uh, in chapter 4 of, the, of uh, 1 John, on two occasions, John writes, God is love. God is love. And of course, we know John refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. So love is John's kind of thing, as, as we're going to see. And as Emma touched upon on, uh, in her preach, um, when he talked about walking in the light, Emma noticed how John tends to repeat himself throughout the book. So while I was reading that, it's, so, it's very much the case. You go through, through the book, and it's almost like there's a repetition of themes here about loving God and loving people, getting back to basics. Like, in the good old days when I used to look at shampoo bottles, long, long time ago now, <laughs> a lot of them would say, wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat. It's almost like that with John as you're going through. It's like the wash, rinse, repeat cycle of the themes that we're going to be looking at. So today's passage is in 1 John 2.28, and it covers, for the end of... Uh, chapter 2, and it covers the whole of 1 John chapter 3. And it's broken up into two very clear sections today. So we've got the first part is children of God, and the second part is love one another. So before I read uh, the passage, the first passage of children of God, just worth recapping that in Matthew 18, Jesus himself says, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children... You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So we need to be like children to go into the kingdom of heaven. And we're going to look at now at what it means to be a child of God. So I'm going to read from the NIV today. And I'm starting at chapter 2, verse 28. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. 
In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning, because he has been born of God. This is how we know who who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. First thing I just want to pick up on here. Verse 1 of chapter 3. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. The word that really sort of jumped out to me there was the word lavish. He hasn't just given it, just a, just a few drops. Lavish is talking about an overflowing abundance. God's love isn't like a tap. It's, it's more like Niagara Falls. It's an abundant overflowing of love that we should be called his children. Zechariah 3.17 says that he sings over us. The Lord sings over you. He's proud of you. He loves you. You're his child. Parents love their children. What a privilege it is to be called a child of God. He's proud of you. You carry his DNA. You're made in his image. Of all the things in creation that resemble the Lord, it's his children, it's us. He's proud of you. When I was thinking of, when I don't have any, I don't have kids myself, but when I see friends who have got kids, the, 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 the pride and the joy that they have over their kids, to think how much more God sees us in that light as his children. There is a verse in Proverbs 17.6 where it says, parents are the pride of their children. That's always struck me as an interesting verse. Parents are the pride of their children. And I think of my parents, I think, yeah, do you know what? I'm really, I'm really proud of them. I've been blessed. I have great parents and I'm very proud of them. But to an even greater extent, have we ever taken a moment to consider if God is our father, are we proud of him? Not that he needs our approval, but he loves our praise, doesn't he? We come, like this morning, we've been praising and worshipping God. He's God. We're gonna, he's going to stay God whether we praise him or not. But doesn't it bless us to, to praise him, to give him glory? It blesses him as well. So I was thinking, when we, as Psalm 46.10 says, you know, be still and know that I'm the Lord. Take a moment to be still and consider who God is. We will be in awe of him. And there will be a sense of admiration and deep pride that comes with that, to think that the creator of the heavens and earth actually created you. From the, from the, the stars, the planets vast galaxies down to the microscopic beauty of a f- petal on a flower to each person down to your fingerprints down to the uniqueness of a snowflake you think wow this is this is our father who created all of this so there's a sense of, of pride that comes with that but if you are his children and we're praising him and so forth how do we actually show that we're his children 
ask the question, what does a good child look like? What does a good child do? Anybody want to say? What does a good child do? Anything, is there anything that a good child does? Parents, what, if your child's good, what would be an example of them doing something good? Worshipping God. Worshiping God. Doing as they're told. <laughs> Obedience, yeah. So yeah, worshipping God's great, but obedience, in general terms, usually a parent, if a child obeys them, good, good girl, good, good boy, good girl, yeah. Obedience, and in chapter 2, verse 29 here, it says, everyone who does what is right is born of him. So you do what, you do, you do what is right, it's proof that you are a child of God, you're obeying him. And in chapter 3, verse 10, anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God. Oh, if you disobey, you're not a child of God, is what he's saying here. And in verse 4 of chapter 3, everyone who sins breaks the law. Have you ever sinned here? Hands up if you've ever sinned. Oh dear. We're stuffed, aren't we? On the surface, we're pretty stuffed because if we don't do what's right, if we sin, we've broken the law. But if you are to be a child of God, you're to, you're to obey his commands. But thankfully, miraculously, mercifully, majestically, we have the gift of verse 5 in chapter 3. But you know that he, that's Jesus, appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. You know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Now, in Colossians 3, it tells us that our lives are hidden in Christ, and in Christ there is no sin. So, if we're, if we're hidden in Christ, what does that mean? Come on. Come on, let's not just, not just, let's not just accept this with our typical reserve. Let's. let's as we clap the Lord, let's give him a clap. He's in him, there is no sin, and he appeared that he might take away our sin. Yes. Hallelujah. So, so we have the right to be children of God because of Jesus. We are hidden in Christ, and in him there is no sin. And again, John writes, one of, again, one of the, another very famous verse in Scripture, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You only have access to the Father through Jesus. So Jesus is at the centre of everything. And in Galatians 3, Paul writes, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Because of Jesus, we have the right to be children of God. And it says here in verse 6 of chapter 3, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has neither seen him or known him. It's a challenge, isn't it? Because we still mess up day by day. But how great is the Father's love and mercy on us, the love he lavishes us with, that, that he calls us his children. Parents, when your children mess up, they're still your children, you still love them. And we are hidden in Christ. But if we look at the fruit of our actions... In Matthew 7, Jesus says that a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So what are the consequences of some of our actions? Well, one of the ways that we can look at our own fruit and the fruit of the people we see around us is how they treat other people. 
which brings us on to the next part of uh, this morning's little talk about loving one another. So we know we're children of God because of Jesus. And Jesus says in Matthew that after loving the Lord with, with all our heart, soul and mind, we have to love our neighbour as ourself. So let's have a look here at what John writes about loving one another. So I'm reading now chapter 3, verse 11. This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong in the truth, and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence, whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do, do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask, because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he, he gave us. So in verse 23 here, John writes, and this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. So it's a very clear command that we are to love one another. Verse 14, anyone who doesn't love his brother lives in death. We're called to love. God is love, and he loves us. That's hard, isn't it? It can be hard to love other people especially when you, when you come across people who might be a bit like sandpaper. Maybe they rub you up the wrong way, or they annoy you, or they just wind you up, they irritate you in some way. Does anyone know anyone like that? Was it just me? Yeah. So just this week, I, um, I had an email from someone at work. It just wound me up. One of those emails. I don't get wound up often. I'm quite chilled. I'm quite laid back. But every so often, you know, I put a lot of effort into something, and I get this little... This is a very unhelpful response, let's say. Well, okay, well, how am I going... And I was preparing for this, so it was quite timely, because it allowed me to put this into practice. How am I going to show love to this person now? Go for a walk. Leave it, leave it. Just, just reflect on it. Calm down. Get out of your system. And then you come back to it with a fresh pair of eyes, a fresh perspective. It's not a big deal. Maybe I misinterpret... Give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe I misinterpreted the tone of what they were saying. And in the, in the scheme of things, who's going to remember this next month anyway? It doesn't, doesn't matter. So I was able to send a, a, a kinder response than I would have done in the heat of the moment. So take some time out when you're feeling a bit offended. Get some fresh air. Come back to it. Maybe the Lord will convict you in the meantime. Could be an example of how we could show love to other people. And, you know, we've experienced love in its ultimate form, in its perfect form, because Jesus came, gave his life for us. So we are the recipients of the ultimate love. 
And we are to love one another. It's a very clear command. We can't love God unless we love our neighbor. They go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. But how do we do that in in a practical way here and now? Verses 17 to 18. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. It's easy to say you love, you love, you love God or you love someone or you love something. But in the same way that James tells us faith without works is dead, what is love without action? What's the point of it? Love, any DC Talk fans in the house? There's an old song of theirs called Love is a Verb. Love is a verb. Love is something that you do, something that you put into action. And there is also, speaking of the musical theme, there is a song, an old Michael W. Smith song called Give It, Give it Away, where the songwriter, Wayne Kirkpatrick, writes, we could entertain compassion for a world in need of care, but the road of good intentions doesn't lead to anywhere because love isn't love till you give it away. You've got to give it away. So the whole idea about being love is something that you put into action, something that you do, uh, when we mentioned the food bank earlier, it's an example of helping people in need. I remember something that haunts me where once I, I saw um, a homeless guy outside of it was a, a Marks and Spencer's somewhere a long time ago, and I felt convicted that I should give him something or go and talk to him. And to my shame, I didn't. I just kind of left him. And I mean, I do see people struggling, and, and I'm not always convicted to go and approach them. But this particular guy I was, I didn't do anything. And for days, I was haunted, actually, by the fact that I didn't go and speak to him when I felt I should have done. I felt prompted that I should have done. And that haunted me, and I, I know that there was a missed opportunity there. And, but it's a lesson learned, and I know... There is, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, but I was convicted. So it is important that we are alert to those opportunities and that when we are feeling prompted to show love, that we don't just feel it, but we do something with it. So, and it's important that if we say we're children of God and yet we don't obey him, I mean, how would, you, how would you feel if someone said they loved you but they treated you badly? They didn't respect your wishes. They didn't do what you expected them to do. They, didn't, they broke their promises to you. They weren't helpful to you. Or they were unkind to you. They spoke harshly to you, but they said they loved you. Why would you believe them? How are you displaying love for, for God and how are you displaying love for God? It's a challenge to all of us. It's a challenge to all of us. But we have a promise when we obey. Verse 21, chapter 3. If our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. So we have confidence. When we, when we walk in obedience, there is a confidence that comes with that. Of course, we're saved by grace, of course. But the, the command here is clear. It pleases God when we obey him. And the commands of God are good. They're good for us. In Psalm 19, David writes, the commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. 
Often we have commands because they're like boundaries and they will protect us, they will help us. God is a good father, cares, cares about us. He'll never give you a command which is going to leave you, lead, lead you to harm. He's going to do everything, even though you may not understand why he's commanding you to do something, there will be a blessing attached to the obedience of that command. Verse 24. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. What a promise that is. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. The spirit convicts us. We know, like I was convicted when I ignored that, um, that homeless guy. That's how that Marks and Spencer, I was convicted of that. I believe the Spirit was convicting, convicting me of that. But God is good, and he lavishes his love upon us. Um, I'm going to invite Claire up, um, just, to, just to lead us into a, a closing song. And So this is a message of conviction, one that we are to obey the, the Lord's commands, but one of reassurance and one of hope, that we're his children, yeah, children mess up. Children disobey their parents, but they're still, they're still, the parents still love them. And there is mercy and there is grace. The love that we have from the Father is lavished upon us. So I'm going to uh, close in prayer before I, I hand over to Claire. Lord, what a privilege, what an honor, what a blessing it is to know that we are your children, that we are children of God, that you lavish your love upon us. You lavish your love upon us, Lord. You sing over us. You rejoice over us, Lord. You are proud of us, Lord. And Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you appeared, that you might take away our sin, for in you there is no sin. Thank you that we are hidden in you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that because of you, we have access to the Father 24-7. What a privilege, Lord. What a privilege, Lord, to know that we are a chosen people, Lord, a royal priesthood, Thank you, Lord, that we are your children and we give you glory and we thank you for the, for the gift of your spirit. And I pray that you would help us, Lord, to, to show love to each other, that you would convict us and show us, Lord, how we can be more loving to our brothers and sisters as you commanded. In your name we pray. Amen.